Welcome to the Telemet podcast brought to you by NUGAS, the National Union of Greek Australian Students. We aim to be the platform for representation of Greek and Greek Australian youth, discussing all things relevant to you guys, our incredible listeners. Before we jump into this week's episode, we would like to say that Nugas Victoria respectfully acknowledges the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record our content. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as well as to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the wider community and beyond. We acknowledge that the land on which we meet is stolen land and that Indigenous sovereignty has never been ceded and treaties are yet to be negotiated. We additionally acknowledge the Wurundjeri people's living culture, knowledge and struggle in this region. Hi everyone, I'm Denise and I am one of your co-hosts on this week's episode alongside Eleni. We will be joined by Milti Adi Peikopoulos as we discuss the history of philosophical debates and jump into our own questions. Today, we will be delving into discussions around whether we are ethically obligated to improve ourselves as well as the effect of anonymity on human behaviour. obligated to improve themselves so maybe I'll just ask both of you what you take from improve themselves so what would you say it means to improve oneself meet the other in terms of improvement self-improvements have got a very bad name these days I'd say with uh, self-help books and mm. things like that mm. um, I definitely take a very different approach to it so I'd think more make yourself a better person holistically so that would be, you know, physically, morally, spiritually, whatever it might be. There's lots of different ways to become a better person. Um, and yeah. people can, you know, miss the, uh, the trees for the forest. You know, they can just look to um, some grand scheme of self-improvement and skip a lot of, you know, stepping stones along the way. Mm-hmm. I think that's a horrible approach to it. There's so yeah. much wisdom uh that we can take from the mistakes of others Yeah. Uh, that I don't agree with the cliche, you have to make a mistake for yourself. I think that that's one of the most devastating um, falsehoods that we've shared with um, society because yeah. it's unfortunately forced a lot of people to run headlong into bad situations thinking that they have to make these mistakes for themselves to learn from them. Whereas I think humans are very competent and very, very Mm -hmm. smart. They don't have to make their own mistakes to learn from others. That's, that's Mm -hmm. what civilization is, is learning from the mistakes of the past so that we don't have to make them ourselves, making life better for our descendants. Um, So that is so interesting. I had not thought about that, to be honest, because, you know, even on a smaller scale, actually, Eleni, you go first. No. What do you think it means? Well, well that's what, as you were talking with the other, the thing that kept popping into my head was like, learning is how you improve yourself. And what you said mm. about learning from ancestors, learning from historical figures, all these different things, I was like, yes, that I think that's one major component of it. Because I think when, like, society obviously sets a standard and that shifts and changes throughout the years we sort of aspire to be this sort of standard that society at the time is you know presenting as an option but 
we're sort of sitting there learning from everyone around us, learning from our grandparents, learning from historical figures, learning everything to try be more aware. I think self-awareness is where a lot of improvement comes from. So in the sense of like what you said, Mincia, the driving past uh, nature and completely ignoring it and being on your phone instead of looking up and looking at it, being self-aware of what am I doing in this moment? What am I looking at? Why did I react that way? Why do I want to pursue that? Why is society like this? Asking these questions and actually trying to learn, I think oftentimes will bring that improvement by nature because you're becoming more self-aware anyway. You're understanding things a bit better. Therefore, you can react better. You can actually, your actions are more informed, et cetera, et cetera. You're actually making conscious effort to be more like an inspiration or like this. So I think that's where my sort of head is going to the phrase improve themselves yeah yeah interesting really interesting perspectives I mean when you were talking with the other you said you know what uh, to make yourself a better person basically and then immediately I think so what is Mm. a good person what is this better person and I think if when I looked at this question initially I think in our society very much if you work hard if you help others all these kind of things come to my mind especially working hard Mm. But then I think back to that this is a very capitalist yeah. notion of working hard. And then that's when I tend to fall more in line with what you were saying earlier with the other from a holistic approach, you know, morally, physically, spiritually, whatever it might be. And I think self-awareness has a great lot to do with that. Listening to your body, trying to actually stay in tune with your yeah. mind, because I think our lives can get so busy that, you know, it's just go, go, go. It is what it is. I'm just doing whatever I have to do because of the society we live in. I have to work. I have to pay my bills. And I think we get caught in a trap when not very many people do learn from, like you were saying, Mithyadi, we have the resources there. We don't yeah. learn from others' mistakes. We don't have – We don't. it's not that we don't have the time, but we don't make the time to sit mm. down and analyse our lives, reflect mm. on it. Um, and I think that's something that I'm quite – I'm trying to be quite yeah. aware of in myself, self-awareness. I think it is greatly important. Mm. And not even to improve yourself to just be better, obviously to be better in society, but to yeah. feel better, to actually lead a life that you're happy with as well. Because to me, happiness is a great part yeah. of life. And I think a lot of people are unhappy. We don't take a seat, like we don't mm. sit back and kind of analyse, hey, why? Why is this yeah. the case? Like what do I need to change? Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. And I wanted to add in what I find very interesting about this question, though, is that, again, it goes to who are you asking this question and they will have a different answer. So 100%. something so simple as I find that Australia compared to other countries, compared to, let's say, some of the Mediterranean countries, is a lot more work-focused, career-focused, in my opinion, from what I've understood mm-hmm. from conversations. And something that I would say over there to say a relative they would not consider it as much of an improvement of myself as I would and vice versa they would be thinking oh I've done this and I'd be like "Mm, is that really improving yourself because we're all understanding what's important in our society in our community as improving ourselves whatever we're aspiring to be is different in a lot of different groups and sort of collective identities So I know that a lot of Western countries have the notion of aspiring to look like Jesus and how he's depicted in the Bible, whereas not every country has a Christian background. Like a lot of Asian countries, they've got their own aspirations 
And then you get into these more micro groups where different identities, oh, you're striving, say, for example, with um, sexuality. Oh, you're uh, striving to be more comfortable with your sexuality. I'm going to be the, I'm going to improve myself by being so comfortable in my skin that I don't care what anyone says about my sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas for someone who, for example, is heterosexual, who's straight, that's not something that they're really seeking to do because it's a norm already Yeah. in our group, yeah. not in theirs. Does that make sense? I don't know if, if I've gone too many in circles. No, it does. I think, no, I think you're kind of in a sense leading towards more talking about if, you, if you're ethically obligated to do so, considering mm. you're, you have different circumstances, are you still ethically obligated to do the same as someone yeah. else would do? Because I, so my straightforward answer would probably be people, I think people should improve themselves when we talk about are people ethically obligated to improve themselves, that's when I think we start seeing a bit of a blurrier line. I don't know because it's, I don't know how you can distinguish what is ethically yeah. correct, if that makes sense. Like for instance, me, social justice, you know, I think we have a duty to continue to learn to be able to change things in a more positive way as to not hurt other people basically from our actions. I think that as humans, that is a duty we should yeah. take. Not to say that I don't know if the majority of us do do that. I think it's necessary. I think we should. But are we ethically obligated Mm. to? What I get stuck on is I feel like, yes, everyone is obligated or at least everyone feels the obligation. I've not met one person who's reacted, oh, you don't want to improve yourself? That's fantastic for you. Most people will have a negative reaction to someone saying, I don't want to improve myself, at least in one area. But it's the ethical that I keep getting stuck on because it's similar to that whole absolute truth bit where it's like, oh, well, who defines that those ethics? Who, which oh. groups are prominent? Yeah. Which group is most prominent in your life defining your standard yeah, ethics so and true. all that stuff? So that's where I'm like, yeah. I don't know, pick another word maybe. I, I can't, oh. I can't wrap my head around that one. Also, also, who defines improvement? That's the problem is that there are a lot of things which are yeah, universal. Exactly right. Like everybody would agree that, um, you know, health, um, yeah. state of mind, all of these things are pretty universal. But yeah. uh, when we come to things that are more political or things that are more religious or things that are more moral, that's when I think we can bog down and the disagreement would set in. So, yeah. But I think with those universal values... I don't see any reason why there shouldn't be – because when, if we all agree now that they should, we all said that we agree that people should improve themselves. Mm. The difference between should mm. and ethical obligation is very mm. slim, very slim yeah. indeed. It's just whether or not we think it's feasible or practical. So for yeah. those like politics, yeah. religion, et cetera, they're not, they're not feasible. But for the ones that we consider universally um, uh, acknowledged, why not? Yeah. What would you say is universal that everyone can improve? Oh, things like uh, health. So, for instance, let's talk about, I don't know, basic basic fitness. I don't know. I, I, you know, mm. um, some people promote, you know, defence classes. Some people think that everybody should know at least one type of martial arts, for instance. I think that's extreme. But mm. so a lot of people are starting to subscribe to that view. Um, or, mm. you know, read a book every week. There's campaigns to try and force children to read a book at least once every week. Um, mm. So there are a lot of different things that I think you could probably narrow down and, and try and make yeah. compulsory. I think so. If people, so I just think to that though. 
So if people don't want yeah. to do that or can't yeah. do that, mm. some people, you know, with disabilities can't do that, do we look down on those people then? Because if yeah. we're ethically obliged or, you know, or that's what we as a society think mm. people should do, yeah. do we sometimes need to be more considerate mm. of people's individual mm. circumstances? That's why I, I wanted to add in that I had heard something really interesting on a different podcast where it was talking about, I don't remember which community I think it was. Oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to accidentally say the wrong community, but it was, it wasn't a Western country. It wasn't a Western culture where the standard of health and beauty for them was obese women. And I was so shocked because I was like, hang on a minute. Western society really pushes a skinny, a skinny. And then now the curvy and you know, there was heroin chic in, in like the nineties and early two thousands. It looked a lot different to obese. I don't think it's ever been in Western society, women to be beautiful, healthy, whatever, need to be obese. So it kind of shifted my mindset in thinking that the standard of what I thought was universal actually looks really different to some communities, especially the more, I guess, remote ones or the ones that we're not exposed to very much. So I find it really hard to sort of, swallow the pill of every if there's anything universal that everyone agrees on in the sense of it will look different they may agree we need to be healthier but for them health looks different to what it does to me you or the next person so i find it hard to be able to measure any of that because it looks so different to everyone yeah I think we're really getting caught, um, which rightly mm. so, we're getting caught up on, like Nithyadi said before, do we define yeah. what it means to improve ourselves? Like everyone has a different idea of self-improvement mm. and that's where I think we're crossing mm. that kind of um, no, <laughs> I think that's why people group themselves. I think because yeah. we're naturally inclined to group each other up. Um, yeah. So that's why there are states, there are nation states, there are cultures, there are religions. Um, mm. Because Oh, there are lots of people that, that share values and that share um, ancestry or share beliefs. And mm. uh, yeah. it's pretty natural that they sort of group together and uh, help enforce their beliefs, values, etc., on um, their, their own groups. Um, so I guess it would be easier to yeah. enforce it in those groups. But when we say universal, 100%. Reality check to put uh, a caveat there that we mean universally within a group. Mm, exactly I think my main my main takeaway is probably just to be mindful yeah. because you know I might have certain goals because I'm the type of person that I do set mm. goals for myself you know I want to work hard I want to finish my law degree I want to become a lawyer I want to be successful yeah. in that field I want to be physically fit I want to do all this stuff have a great life have a family all of this stuff but you know everyone has a very different idea of what yeah. improvement means to them and, you know, as much as I set goals for myself, I've also realised this lately. If Just because someone doesn't set the same goals or doesn't set goals at all, it doesn't mean that I have the right to look yeah. down on that because their way of life, like you said, their, you know, cultural expectations might be different. Their familial expectations might be different. So I think, yeah, just about being mindful that we all do have different ideas of what it means to improve mm. ourselves. this episode is does anonymity encourage people to misbehave or does it reveal how people would like to act all the time if they could Mm. then i want to jump on that one i've got 
a lot of thoughts going through my head about it. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a pretty long answer again, so maybe go I'll. For it. Uh, you go. You, I'll start, you jump I'll off start. your stuff. <laughs> I'll start. So just from reading the question, I noticed that there is an assumption that there's no overlap, perhaps, between sort of misbehaviour and people Uh, acting how they would if they could. So in other words, the question sort of assumes that like no socially undesirable behaviour is a part of human nature as well, um, Mm. which which is itself at the heart of sort of most of the fundamental differences in let alone philosophy, but ideology and and all manner of things that sort of polarise the world today. So that's Mm. pretty key to understanding the two views like utopian and the realist views in which socially undesirable behaviour is either entirely due to social and and material factors or partly just due to man's potential or human's potential for evil. The Greeks had, uh, obviously to tie back into the Greeks, not biased at all, (laughs) <laughs> um, they had strong strong views on anonymity, like I've mentioned a few times before, um, because they saw it as having a lot of social ramifications, uh, which, which can still be felt today. And a good example of that would be the English word idiot. So the English word idiot is derived from the ancient Greek idiotis, which means just a private citizen. Um, but that's distinct from a public citizen. Uh, yeah. So it did develop similar negative connotations to the English word idiot today, you know, uncouth, uncivilized, um, dumb, etc. And so anonymity had these connotations um, because it implied a disconnect from the community. Mm. And so if you're a citizen and you were shirking your social responsibilities and you weren't, similar to the question before, you weren't trying to be the best citizen that you could be because life was inherently social, you lost what differentiated you from a non-citizen and even from a non-Greek. So I thought it was pretty interesting because citizenship in that sense was just as much about uh, your responsibilities as it was about your rights. So uh, this is a very controversial opinion, but it's been shared a lot of times by Mm. uh, a lot of social philosophers these days, is the study of shame. So shame was a lot less controversial to the ancient Greeks. In fact, it would have been very controversial to have the opinions about shame that we have today. So we view shame um, similarly similarly to sort of judgment. We view it as a very negatively off the yeah. bat, a lot of connotations about it. Um, but shame was viewed more as just a tool by the ancient Greeks. So it was a social tool. And uh, even, even just a few generations ago, let alone the ancient Greeks, um, you know, in the early 1900s, if you were in a Greek village, shame was, you know, a huge part of your village life. And in a face-to-face society like the Portalus or a village, it was an opportunity for socially undesirable behaviour to be targeted. So mm. in today's sort of anonymous and like atomized world, it's sort of it's had a complete reversal of fortune. Let's say. Similar to shame, like you're mm. speaking about, another social tool that comes to mind um, when we think about this question is mm. surveillance and the increased surveillance, that, that argument about that. And just to dive a bit into history, so in the 18th century, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, coming from a criminology stance, Jerry, Jeremy Bentham, who was an English philosopher, social theorist, he actually designed a type of building system of control uh, called the panopticon. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you two would have heard of the panopticon. So it was kind of a disciplinary concept that was brought to life in a prison setting. So I think it was the prison guards that sat in the middle and are able to see a full 360 view of everyone. 
and that so that's that's also been used as a social tool to for criminal justice purposes you know to prevent crime prevent uh, for crime prevention for post crime detection surveillance is being used and you know when you're speaking about shame that's what comes to mind in a modern mm. sense surveillance because if someone's always watching us yeah then you know are we less likely to commit these undesirable acts in society and you know like you're talking about being a public citizen back in ancient times surveillance has very much been used as a tool of mm. public order for governing behavior but then it kind of brings into mind so when we go into anonymity you know it can surveillance is something that can also be used in an illicit way in a bad way when it's brought into those private spaces and it's not completely used for public purposes mm. so that's the kind of um similarity i would draw to yeah. ancient times to now i'm not sure if you had any other thoughts on uh, any. i mean with this one there's a lot of like what do we define as this what do we define as that so uh, what you guys were saying yeah. about the whole what's socially desirable and all that, that's what I was thinking of, like, what does misbehaving actually look like? And I was like, yes. okay, well, what a five-year-old does to misbehave is grossly different to what a 70-year-old does to misbehave. So I was sort of thinking yeah. about that. But I completely agree in the sense that I think being a part of a public sphere is what drives a lot of our behaviour, what is acceptable, people are watching I'm going to do this you know there's a lot of things that people would do when no one's looking whether that be chuck their rubbish on the ground or something as simple as that or something more extreme that they wouldn't do if someone they know someone's staring right at them and I Mm -hmm. thought about the negative but then I started going into I guess I wouldn't say so much of positive but probably less serious that there'd be no such thing as attention seeking there's zero recognition for anything you do. So in terms of the positive stuff that you might do or the less harmful things like, say, posting a selfie or getting dressed up for something, if you're anonymous, no one's really paying any attention to you, you're not going to get any recognition for what you do either. So that could be a bad thing in the sense of a lot of, a lot of people are driven by that motivation of recognition, of appreciation and acknowledgement. I'm going to do this because it looks good. Therefore, I might get that promotion or I might look good in this person's eyes. I might impress them. That's gone. That's entirely gone because you're anonymous. No no one's really paying attention to it. So I feel like that social um, drive that we have to do things for a result from the society around us would change things up entirely. And I spoke to a few people who sort of led a bit of a life that, was a bit more thrill-seeking, I'll put it that way. And essentially what what the description was is the fact that you can get caught is almost a part of the thrill of why you do it. There's a bit of, right? How many times have we heard that? That's actually, we learned that in first-year criminology. That's one of the theories, you know. Yeah, it's 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 entirely a thing. thing. Like a lot of people do Mm -hmm. things for that, that thrill of will I get caught, but I'm untouchable. So there's that battle going on in their minds of, I will continue to do all these things that aren't socially acceptable or desirable because it's giving me what, a great life, giving me a thrill, giving me a high, whatever it is. But there's also that element of I will one day get caught and I'm, I'm, what's yeah. that day going to look like? What's that feeling going to be like until then I'm on this thrill high because I'm misbehaving until that anonymity goes away. So, 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's definitely one way to look at it. But I think that in the same way, people do commit crimes mm. or act, you know, in an undesirable of way course, for other reasons course. as well, other than fuel-seeking. So then when you flip it on the reverse, then you're like, well, is anonymity good in that sense? Will it actually serve any yeah. useful purpose? If there are other reasons or motives, if people don't want to get caught, if that's not what's mm. the thrill mm. of committing the crime, yes, if you get course. what I'm saying. Because then it can lead into a very dangerous kind of sphere if we're all anonymous. Because, yeah, well, leading us back to this question, I think I think in a sense it would cause more mm. misbehaviour um, and and it would reveal how people would like to act all the time if they could. Like Nick the other said, it, the question assumes there's no overlap. I really mm. do think there is an overlap. And I think in many aspects it probably would encourage yeah. that. Yeah. Well, even people who don't feel comfortable in expressing part of their identity, whether they'll be persecuted or whether they feel that they'll be judged, if they're anonymous, yeah. then they they would express it because no one no one can catch them out for yeah. it. Even though it's not inherently bad at all, it might not just not be so yeah. socially acceptable as of yet, or they just don't yeah. feel comfortable. Like how many like even the basic, how many pieces of clothes you buy and you're like, fire, I wish I had the confidence to wear this. I wish that I could dress like that. Yeah. That's something so simple, yet we are still influenced by what other people would think of us. Yet mm. it's something we love. Yeah. Like that, that outfit yeah. looks amazing. I love it, but I don't feel confident enough to step outside and go to that event in that outfit. If I was anonymous, mm. I would do whatever I want. I would wear whatever I want. I wouldn't care. And on that, even even something as minuscule as, you know, mm. job searching or job interviews, by without with being anonymous, those biases yeah. have the potential to be removed. So you're looking at everyone on an evil field. You don't know the person's mm. name, you know, from names you can gauge their cultural background. And there actually was a study, I've forgotten exactly the mm. statistics or whatnot, but basically people that had changed their names, people I think they had mm. more ethnic names and they've changed them to more um, yeah. you know, Anglo names. They, yeah, they actually received a higher rate of job interviews and were more successful. So from those, you know, mm. hidden biases. So, you know, it, imagine we didn't have the names and it was simply your skills, your qualifications, you know, your background, your life, you know, your life course, what you've done. In that sense, it mm. could be a good thing, stuff like that. But, yeah, then on a wider kind of crime prevention, mis- misbehaviour scale, it's like, oh, will mm. it be so good? Yeah. High risk, yeah. <laughs> I know I've been I've just been (laughs) sitting and listening and thinking which is which is which is uh, a good distinction would be I think that everybody needs privacy uh, but whether or not they need anonymity is a different question altogether so Mm. mm, I think the distinction is, is is a really important one to make well privacy is important too when we're talking about the Mm. modern age um technology surveillance as we're talking about earlier and yeah privacy I think our privacy in many ways is starting to be mm. breached in a mm. sense. Um, so would would you say that you said privacy is important? So what would you what would you have? To oh say well, I mean, for that? instance, I recently bought an Amazon uh, Alexa, so an Echo device. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm using it as my alarm uh, because I never had an alarm before, um, and I've decided to get an alarm so I don't have to you know rely on rely on other ways to get <laughs> up. And there is a button. But the button is uh, not uh, mechanical, it's electronic. So in the sense that if you press the microphone button, it's a software button. It just tells the device to stop listening uh, through software means, so code, 
rather、mm. than actually having some sort of you know, for instance, a, a cut in the in the signal, a cut in the wire. Mm. Um, so you're relying on software to turn the device's microphone off. In other words, you're relying on Amazon telling you the truth, for instance. Yeah.、Uh, so if you've got all these devices across millions of households,、uh, constantly、uh, sitting idle until you say the、uh, watchword or the the keyword, which I think for a lot of people is the name of the device, Alexa, you're relying on on a huge corporate machine. To take them at their word when they say they're not listening to you, and you've got a device, for instance, in your bedroom, in your bathroom, and、mm. because you're meant you're meant to create a, a whole setup around your house with、uh, echo devices. Yeah. So you're really you're relying on 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 their faith, on good faith,、um, that whatever you're doing in the private、uh, privacy of your own home is not being recorded, not being heard.、Mm. So I think that、uh, being able to walk into your house and shut the door. And assume that everything is now、uh, completely anonymous and completely private.、Uh, I don't think we can take that for granted anymore. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think as humans, like as you said, having a private sphere compared to having anonymity are quite different. I think humans、mm. need to have the ability to pick what's public and pick what's private. That obviously comes in really bad things as well. But in terms of your average sort of group of people. Crimes aside, that's different. That's that's a very tricky one to sort of discuss. But as humans, we do need to be able to pick what's what's private, what's public, what we want to keep to ourselves for the time being that will later be public. All those different things, because it comes down to that control aspect as well. And I feel like if we were public all the time, it would really bring a lot of anxiety to a lot of different people for different reasons. Because in public, there's a performance going on to some extent. We're trying to show our best foot. We're trying to do all these different things. Where the private, typically, we're more comfortable. So I think that as a society, we don't necessarily need anonymity. We just need to be able to have the freedom to choose that public versus private. Yet that's slowly disappearing as well, unfortunately.、Mm. But yes. Well, thank you so much, Mithyadi, for being on this episode. There was so much that we discussed. Thank you for giving that background as well. And I hope all the listeners as well. You guys contemplate all the things that we discussed. You guys come up with your own answers as well. We came. We were discussing everything to do with truth, free will. Is there ethical obligations for us to better ourselves, and what we really would be like if we were anonymous? So I hope you guys take these conversations into your groups as well and have a think.、Uh, let us know as well if you have any、um, answers that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, thank you so much, Eleni, for、um, letting me co-host this episode with you. And it was really awesome to chat with you, Mithyadi. Really awesome stuff that I didn't know about ancient times and philosophical debates in history. And I was really pleased that we could have our own little mini philosophical、yeah. debate. Hopefully, we can have many more in the future. I'm sure we will. And like Eleni said, I encourage everyone to try to think a bit more deeply about these questions. Let's have these discussions. Let's take some time out and. You know, relax, unwind, think deeply into life. You know, its meaning, morality, justice. What what are these things to us and to other people?、Um, but yeah, would love to hear any of your thoughts on this as well. If you want to get in touch with us, that's all from me. Thank you, Eleni and Miltiadi, once again. Thank you so much, Eleni. Thank you so much, Denise. It's always a pleasure to discuss、uh, the most important things in life. 
Yeah. The great things, I like to call them the great things in life, but uh, that's up for the All the great things in life. <laughs> love it. I love it, guys. All right. Well, we'll see you guys all again, and we'll definitely have Melitiadis on very soon on Taleme. So enjoy the rest of your day. We hope you guys enjoyed our chat today. We are very thankful to all our listeners, both old and new. If you want to stay updated on anything Nugus and Taleme related, our social media contacts are in the podcast description. And please subscribe to us on any platform that you are listening to us on. We welcome you to leave comments and shoot us a message on our social media if you love this episode. If you have any thoughts on future episode ideas or if you have any special guests that you think deserve a platform to share their voice, experiences and thoughts. As usual, we hope you all have a beautiful day. Bye. Bye. Bye.